0: centric
1: podcast with Rafi and Clee. hola you amazing artist it's Rafi
0: and Klee welcome to the live podcast <laughs> thank you for being here all right
1: so who do we have here we
0: have Wendell and we have Arianne and Sarah and Kirkman Gwendolyn's here with us thank you guys so much Kirkman says hi guys
1: hey Kirkman Uh, Let me take off these headphones because I'm wearing headphones and everything is delayed and I'm like,
0: I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Welcome Deanne X-Tempore. Thank you guys so much. Jess is here. Allie, awesome of you to join us.
1: So today, uh, you know what? Let's do the official uh, getting started because I'll have to edit the beginning of this.
0: No problem. Anyway, so, all
1: right, we're going to do, we're going to get this show started. (laughs) uh oh i i forgot what i would do oh yeah okay getting the show started (laughs) hola you amazing artist it's ruffy and Clee. and today we're gonna uh talk about how it was that we got started in our art career and what it is that we recommend to any awesome creatives out there that want to get their art career off the ground
0: yeah and um our disclaimer i suppose is that some of our examples for directly from our career our extremes. Yeah. So, um, we're going to be covering that too. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, we'll definitely talk about that. Uh, one of the things I want to make sure is that we sound okay. Can everybody hear us okay? Or do we sound distorted or too loud or anything? Um, let us know yeah, all, good, let us Sarah. all good awesome for
0: those of you listening to the recorded version of this after the fact um, you're going to also be hearing some questions and comments from our rogue patreon family who are here with us live
1: that's right we've got Sarah and Heather and Zara and Allie and Jess and is here Arianne and Chris is here awesome so awesome to have you guys here always love when you guys hang out with us Kirkman Studios Deanne Uh, this is going to be an awesome podcast. I
0: think so, too. And of course, you guys, if you have any specific questions while we discuss this awesome topic or things that you've employed in launching your creative career that have been really effective or a learning experience, either way, please feel free to share those.
1: Absolutely. All right. So let's get started at the beginning. How did we start our art career? Like basically going back to the very, very beginning where one day... I was not pursuing an art career. And then the next day there I was pursuing it like day one. What did day one look like for you?
0: Uh, Day one looked like I knew that I wanted to do this thing because the seed had already been planted in my brain jar. Um, But I was kind of trying to take the safe route of like, I'm going to do this in X amount of time, I'm going to give notice to all the people who might need notice, such as jobs and what have you. Um, And then one day, it didn't go like that at all. I found myself uh, at the end of my rope with my employment situation. And I left uh, pretty abruptly, actually. And from there, I admittedly was very panicked uh, because I had made the move. Yep. And um, from that panic, had to you know calm myself down <laughs> and not necessarily come up with a plan, but it was like this moment of like I've realized I've committed to this. Zara's like decision day. Yeah, decision
1: yeah. day. I, I remember uh, you had gone to work mm-hmm. that day. And I had dropped you off. This was in the very beginning of our relationship. Yep. And you called me. About 30 minutes later. About 30 minutes later. And we're like, will you come get me?
0: I'm walking down. uh, I'm I'm walking towards my house. I just quit my job. So this creative thing is launching today. Yeah. This full-time creative thing. Um, Now,
1: as far as as far as selling jewelry, how did that get started for you?
0: Yeah, that was an interesting thing. So um, over the course of like, I don't know, a year, two years, uh, people had been giving me things like a friend of mine had given me a box of tumbled rocks that like his father had collected. Um, at the time, just because I've always been a human that loves rocks, collects them, keeps them around, puts them in pockets and what have you. Yeah, you
1: guys, we have a lot of, a lot of rocks, a lot of very beautiful rocks all over the house.
0: It's true. Um, and I acquired other, you know, like basic jewelry making materials from friends who like weren't using them. Um, at one point, I went to this cool warehouse sale thing that was happening in my town and picked up some stuff. And I was really stressed out in the minutes and hours following um, quitting my job. Yeah. I was freaking out.
1: She, she was freaking out. We were sitting. So basically, I picked her up. Uh, then we were sitting behind a gas station on a log. Mm-hmm. and she was having the biggest freak out. I mean, her entire world was like, at one point, you know, the day before that she had a job, things were stable. She knew where she was going to live, what to expect that day, all of that had fallen apart yeah. and she was taking that step towards, um, Towards a creative freedom, but it, basically. Was, it was
0: very scary for oh, yeah, sure.
1: Absolutely, I think so, that that's I think that's one of the the hardest steps for somebody to take
0: to make that move to make yeah. that move. So we um, ended up driving back to our condo where we were living, and um, Rafi was talking to me, and he was beginning the process of like building this website, a uh, creative website, and he was like, "Why don't you take your mind off of it for a while and?" Uh, just make something. You have all these jewelry supplies in this box here. Like, why not just use them? And so I did. I created a really like neat, just basic necklace with like natural cording and ceramic beads, and it felt good. It felt like I could channel that energy into something, and I was proud. And of- that's
1: that's the necklace that you have over your bench. Yeah, it when, hangs. I mean, right now we don't have the bench up because the studio's not up and running. But that you had. That's the necklace that was hanging over your bench.
0: Yeah, that necklace is about 13 years old now and I I will keep it forever. It's the yeah. it's the reminder of the very beginning. So at this point we we're, we're coming up with a basic I don't I hesitate to even use the word plan because it wasn't really a no, plan. No. We're coming up with a basic idea me and Rothy of what it might look like moving forward pursuing this creative career together. Because you had already made the decision.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I had made the decision that um, I was going to do something. The thing is that like, so that was the beginning. That was us leaving that. And then we traveled the country and we played music and did some writing. But really, honestly, there, a lot of our attempts to put ourselves out there were still very small, very minor, very like, very safe. It's kind of like when you hide behind a computer screen and you're like, well, I'm I'm going to kind of put this out there. I'm going to put it on one of the social medias, my, my painting, I'm going to put it out there, but you don't actually put yourself out there. Right. All you do is put a painting out there and you're like, this is the title and this is how much it costs. And look at this thing. Yeah. And that's it. And I think that it wasn't until we arrived in Pensacola
0: that we really really that
1: we really loved. really started to put ourselves out there.
0: Now there were a few moments on the road of like confidence building um oh yeah being asked to play music, um, making money off of it. Um for me, I did actually sell a couple of pieces of jewelry that I had created while on the road. So do you those re- were Do you
1: remember the first piece oh, of yeah. jewelry? Do you remember that? We I were do. actually we sold it a friend of ours while we were in Key West um was having a yard sale. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And Klee put out
0: a bracelet. I made a bracelet. (laughs) It it was a butterfly bracelet. It had a bronze butterfly and some macrame cord and some other neat looking beads. And I put it out. I think I had it for sale for $5 and someone wanted to buy it. And you guys, my reaction was like, when they said to me, like, I want to buy this, I was like, really? (laughs) 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 Okay. Um, admittedly, not the most confident reaction, but it was definitely a genuine reaction. But
1: these, but these are the stories that I'm, I'm always interested in. Right. Because like a lot of people will see us and they see that like, you know, this is, we're making a living with our art We're, we've been making a living with our art. We've been doing it for over a decade. But what I always find interesting is not like where the person is but where the how did Picasso get started? Mm-hmm. How did Banksy get started? Like what was it because it's not like right off the bat we we get into an art career and then we're like, "Oh, I know everything that's good. We all have to get started somewhere. Yeah.
0: And I want to backtrack for just a second and also tell you guys
1: just said now it's an antique <laughs> <laughs>
0: totally, Allie was like, "Wow, Clea, that was like a bungee jump into an abyss." Yes. It really kind of was. I wanna, um, I wanna also just talk about when we, when Rafi and I made the decision to go on the road and try to launch a full time creative career. Almost no one was supportive of this idea. Like, basically, I had quit my job. I broke the lease on my condo. Um, my family thought I was nuts. Some of my friends were like. Cool, some of them were totally disinterested. Some of them were really upset um, because I was leaving behind creative projects that I was helping them with, um including a band and so there was a lot of pushback for yeah. both of us from the people in our lives that were used to us operating one way and now everything has changed, yeah, so
1: for me, they were used to me operating, you know, I was a corporate manager, this is what I did i you know what are you doing this is stupid um and so like nobody was supportive and even the people that were supportive they didn't really understand what it was that we were trying to do right yeah um they were just kind of supportive because you know
0: some of them were like have fun storming the castle uh see you in a couple months <laughs> when you come back you're coming back right and we were like mm.
1: We don't know. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen.
0: So, yeah, we had two years worth of um, a lot of experiences on the road, but you're right. We didn't really launch an art career until Pensacola.
1: But here's the thing that being on the road taught us that prepared us for launching the art career. And this is something that's really important to bring into context how it was that we got started. Number one. The, one of the most important lessons that we learned b- living out on the road was: a, you have to be in a good place in your mind, yes, right? You and do. for for us, it was like, whenever whenever either one of us was in a funk, things got hard. And what would happen is like it was almost like stuff out of the ether would just fall like you're having a bad day. okay. well, guess what? It's going to get worse and it's going to get worse. Mm -hmm. And so like we got to the point where we realized like we need to really work on our emotions and be – you know, and really work through whatever it is that's bothering us, our insecurities, whatever's going on, because we can't, we, I don't want to be in a funk. This is, we're on the road. This is dangerous.
0: It's Yeah. When you're on the road like that, it, it is kind of life and death to keep yourself in a good place where you can make effective decisions and not make stupid decisions. Um, and it's,
1: it's interesting because back then we didn't even know like a lot of the research, uh, which is basically when you get stressed, uh, parts of your brain, your decision-making parts of your brain shut down. That's Mm -hmm. why I say, like, don't go out there and put your artwork out there and be desperate about it because then all you're doing is elevating your stress. And if you do that, if you are like worried about money or worried about this, you make really poor decisions. And that was something that we just, it wasn't about selling art on the road. It was about survival. Like, you 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 gotta you have to be in a place where you can make proper decisions, mm-hmm. and the only way to do that is to be optimistic. Not not optimistic as in like be positive, guys. Optimistic like don't get stuck focusing on the problems; focus on the solutions.
0: And that was a large part of why the road trip happened. Also, is like we wanted to put ourselves in that situation. Yeah. Um. To to have to face a whole bunch of challenges, ones that we tried to predict but largely just completely unanticipated stuff and really show ourselves and build our confidence that we really could take on anything because that's like the best trial by fire um well, that I could have imagined for launching a creative career. Yeah,
1: before before that experience, I mean, I I lived uh the majority of my life being very timid, you know, I I needed people to tell me what to do. That's that's one of the reasons that like You know, I had to work because I needed to find validation that that's not the reason for everybody to work, you know, but like I needed validation. I needed to feel important and I needed somebody to tell me what to do. But it was also one of the reasons that when I worked in corporate, even though I was salaried on average, I worked 70 to 80 hours a week. Like it was insane the amount of hours that I would work every week, um, even though I wasn't getting paid for that. And on top of that, I was very miserable and, and all that stuff. But it was because I was too afraid to do anything that wasn't the norm. Mm-hmm. And so like us doing this road trip and going out there, you know, the fact of the matter is you putting that bracelet for sale for the first time at somebody's uh, yard sale yeah. was a monumental, you know, like somebody else from the outside could look at that and say, oh, that's, that's no big deal unless they're actually doing it. Yeah. You know, it's when you put yourself in that position where you created something and you're going to put it out there for sale. It is a big deal. There's a lot of fear that you're going to walk through. Yeah.
0: And I had to push through the fear of doing it. And also like I had had past experiences where I timidly tried to show some of my art and like did not get good response to it at all. So like really pushing through that molasses of like, I'm going to try this again. Yeah. Um, and I've I've always had a bit of a rebellious streak. Um, admittedly, I worked jobs just because that's what you were supposed to do. And I tried to find creative jobs to do, but even still, I felt unfulfilled. So I had tastes of this life that I wanted throughout my life. Like I went on a self-funded uh, road trip with my band and played music. I had a taste of like putting creations out into the world and living that life, but I never went full in. Uh, the way that that we did
1: because it's scary because you don't know what's going to happen. I love what Sarah says here. We may not know what's uh, going to happen, but isn't it fun finding out? It yes, is. absolutely.
0: Sarah said that's what my baby sister always says: solutions, not problems. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's it, and that's the thing. If you are solution oriented, right, um, Chris, we we have conversations on Discord about that, about like, well, how do you not worry? Like if you have bills that you have to pay, how do you not worry about them? Mm -hmm. And the thing about it is that like, you got to think about it this way. If you're on the road, if I'm on the road and I am obsessed because I have uh, maybe $5 in my pocket and we got to put gas in the car, but at the same time, we want to eat that day, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm just obsessed over those $5 and I'm desperately thinking like, how can I make some money? Um, the opportunities that popped up in our face were because we weren't worried. Think of it. Think of it like in Harry Potter, when he gets that potion,
0: the Felix Felicis, the, Felix potion. Felicis,
1: the, the luck potion, right? And how instead of he wants to, he, he wants these answers and they come up with this plan on how they're going to get them, and then once he takes that potion, he does something completely opposite and of, the
0: plan, of yeah. the
1: plan because the plan was made from a place of desperation of like, oh, we need to we need to get here. Whereas when you are focused on solutions, which means that you are focused on what is working and you get your mindset used to looking at things from a solution oriented place where you are allowing yourself to see opportunities and you're not. Driving yourself crazy, crazy and obsessing over. The the problem, because there is no solution in obsessing over a problem. There is only a solution. And most times the solution has nothing to do with the problem itself.
0: And I think this is interesting because X Tempor says, I think my difficulty is that I can't imagine the solutions or the steps, and I just follow what seems like a good idea at the time. And I think if you're coming from a good place with like if you're in a good place and you're just following what seems like a good idea at the time, I think that's very effective. Yeah. Because I don't know very many people or maybe I don't know anyone at all who can imagine solutions effectively yeah, you can. in a place where they haven't done the thing yet. You can't you, you just you, pursue the next good idea. You
1: just you just pursue the next good idea. Now the difference there is if you are obsessing over the problem and you are stressed out you might your ideas are you know, and you
0: might be sabotaging They're,
1: yourself, they're yeah. crap. Your ideas are crap. If you are stressed out and you come up with an idea out of a place of stress,
0: it doesn't pan out. It well. does
1: not. It, it. It. Trust me. I've been there. It's happened. <laughs> it's <laughs> too many times to even list off here. And, but it's, it really defines. I really started to realize that there is a difference there. If I am focused on the problem and I'm stressing out about it, And that's where I'm coming from. Like, I I need to make money. I want to sell more art. Like, how am I going to do this? Right. And you're coming from a place of desperation. Your ideas are not good. They're desperate ideas. Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas if you decide like, okay, well, I can't do anything about these bills right now. I'm not going to stress out about it. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to have a conversation with somebody. I'm going to have some laughs or whatever. And then you start throwing out harebrained ideas, fun, because you're having fun. Those are, those are the money that those are the good ideas.
0: Yeah, it's true. Arianne said it's the ultimate risk, but it can often feel like our only option too, to, to yeah. dive in and go for it. Give it your all.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Jess said, I just started a part-time job at a pig farm, feeding and helping load pigs onto trailers to help pay for my art career. Then I come home to homeschool my autistic daughter and work on my art. You both know I've been struggling, but the solution came when I wasn't working. Yeah, and yeah.
1: that, Jess, right there, that's that's the thing. thats And I'm not saying that we're like, you know, I mean, we've been practicing. We lived on the road. We've been practicing this for a long time it doesn't mean that you're always on point. Like sometimes, you know, I stress out and I'm like, Oh, you know, and a lot of times I'm very public about that. I share it with mm-hmm. everyone, let them know, like, this is what I'm going through. But it's, you always, as long as you come around to a place where I always call it the, the, well, it can't get any worse from here. It you know, that, <laughs> that place where you kind of look at the, and you're like, well, you know? Yeah. That's And even back in the day when I was a corporate dude and I was stressed out about stuff and like all this stuff, what would happen is like, let's say I had a huge bill due or the car broke down and I didn't have the money and I was like stressed out about it. And then the day of the bill would come and it didn't get paid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then at that point I was like, well, it didn't what get paid. Do? And then yeah. what would happen is like three days later, I would have the opportunity to just kind of pop up in my face like it always and when you start looking at that structure like that you know you you realize that like oh there's no point in stressing out we just got really off topic but it was important to to make sure that that context is brought in
0: it's heavily related because tangent. it's heavily yeah.
1: related on how we started our our career
0: uh, oh, thank you, Jess. Jess sent us a gift. Thank you,
1: Jess. Kelly said it's better than death. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: yes, indeed. Oh, Okay, so we arrived in Pensacola. Um, the idea was to stay in Pensacola for six months uh, and then continue traveling. That was yeah. the plan.
1: That was the plan. Um, and we went to Pensacola because my dad had open heart surgery. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to stay with him just during recovery. And that was, the, yeah. And then we were going to leave. And in the
0: meantime, uh, we wanted to, because we had some time and space to kind of try some stuff. We wanted to try to put some art out there. Yeah. Um. And nobody knew who we were in town. And so galleries were like, move along. We, approached, we have the, a waiting list.
1: There were two galleries in town. We approached... Both of them. Um, it was, we, you know, and it's funny because you, I remember, I think back to this and, you know, we're, we're very shy and we're awkward, but like at this point, you know, we've been on the road, we've met perfect strangers. So I'm a little bit more, I'm I'm, I'm a little bit less insecure, still very awkward, very introverted, but I'm less insecure. So like we go into these galleries and we're talking to people and there was such an uppity feeling like we don't know who you are. You're yeah. just one of the other hundreds of artists that come in here every once in a while and like want, want to know how to get a space in here. And, uh, you know, so like you leave there and you feel totally discouraged. Yeah. And we, at that point it was like, it was either, I was going to get discouraged, which was very familiar to where I was back in the day when I was, when I was very insecure not doing my art. Or at that point I was like, you know what? There are a million opportunities to show my art. I don't need a freaking gallery. Absolutely. I could just do this on my own.
0: So, you know, plan B is, okay, what else can we approach? There was also a huge waiting list for our local farmers slash art market. So they weren't having us in the beginning. And we thought, well, there's this flea market. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's not a jury in process. Like as long as you can pay for your space, you you could show your stuff there. And it,
1: and it wasn't super cheap either. Like, no, it wasn't. Like a, a booth cost like close to 125 It was about
0: 120 bucks a yeah, week. Yeah, $120
1: us. a week. But we were able to show stuff saturday and sunday
0: Mm -hmm. and also the flea market was cool enough that we got to know them and the management there that you know we weren't making we weren't even making our booth rent in the beginning like most weeks so they literally let us write them ious for like
1: you guys i did not sell my first piece of art until about five weeks in right and we were going every weekend and the first piece of art that I sold was this little. Uh, it was on cardboard paper, and I had uh, painted a little splashy dude on there, um, and it. I sold it for like twenty bucks, and I celebrated so much, even though I was in the hole for like. 450 bucks. so like I made the 20 bucks, and immediately walked up to the to the office and went <laughs> like here's $20 towards my payment for the booth
0: yeah extempor is like 125 just for Saturday and Sundays like I remember the rogue book saying owed oh, this much paid it off oh them again it pretty much was yeah
1: that's how it was yeah
0: so sometimes so uh sometimes I would bring in some money with jewelry and like i would try to help pay off our space and rafi would do the same and it's like whichever one of us had a good day <laughs> we would put that money towards uh paying off the space and then eventually after we had been there for a little while and our confidence was really starting to build we really did start to sell pieces yeah uh, more more consistently and do more than just break even or be in the negatives. So um but that did take some months it took to it there. took
1: months and it honestly, what I realized in that experience was that when you put your artwork out there right in in any way shape or form, think of it think of the fact that nobody knows who you are a uh, nobody really knows your art and it's the same as um listening to a song right you might love a certain musician or a band or something like that. And you might love one song and you're like, oh, this song is amazing. And then back in the day when you could buy CDs, you would buy the CD and then you would listen to the CD and you would find that just about every other song on the album wasn't good. You know, like it's that's what would happen. like you you'd kind of you kind of get disappointed
0: Like they're okay, but they're not like the song that's the reason I bought the album.
1: Yeah, and but really, what was going on there was that you were unfamiliar with them because then you, if you were me, you left your CD in the car and then you listened to the same album over and over and over, and then by the end of a week, you love the music on there. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. The more that you are putting yourself out there, the more that people get to meet you, the more the more that you are sharing who you are with people the more familiarized they become with you, the more familiarized they become with your art. So yeah, we, I was at the flea market for five weeks before someone came and bought a little $20 piece, mm-hmm. but it was the same person that would come to the flea market every week. And every time he passed by my booth, I'd sit there and just have a conversation with him about stuff. I wasn't trying to sell him on stuff and eventually create, you know, there was the relationship, boom, the relationship and then the art. And, and, that was big for me to realize because I was like, wow, it does take consistency and it does take persisting through the crap to like really,
0: absolutely, really
1: put yourself out there.
0: One of my biggest collectors uh, knew me for years before they ever invested in their first piece. And they told me like, we really wanted to know who you were and what you were about before we started investing. And now that we know that we really love you and are comfortable with you, like we're ready to have some really special pieces from you.
1: And that's the thing. It's understanding that like the person that is collecting, cause you're going to get, you know, in, in the marketing book, I call them pretty butterflies. You're going to get pretty butterflies. Right. So like what that means is you'll have something that is, uh, maybe kind of niche to somebody or something. They just happen to see it and they're like, Oh, that's beautiful. You know, that those are those things that people are like, well, you know, if you're going to be out on the on the coast, you want to do beach scenes. If you're going to be in this place, you want to do mountain scenes. You know, like um, you talk about the local area and the things that are a little bit more niche. That's fine. Those people are going to come, but the the true collectors of your art are the ones that fall in love with your style, the weird stuff that you create, that mm-hmm. you love creating. And it takes it takes some uh, some time for them to develop a relationship with you because when they purchase your art. They are investing in you. They're not just investing in the art. They're investing on the journey of this artist. And you think about any kind of investment. It doesn't matter. I'm not talking about wealthy collectors or whatever. This is all across the board. It doesn't matter how much money you have. If you are going to buy someone's art, chances are it is an investment in that artist. And then if that artist is doing art shows or is putting themselves out there, and you see them time and time again, and you get to peruse their art time and time again, then they become more of an you become invested in their journey. And yes. there is something so powerful about that. And it's one of the things that when you're a young fledgling artist and you want to put yourself out there and the idea or you want to get your artwork out there and your idea is that, oh, I got to get into a gallery or I have to get into this. There's nothing wrong with having your art in a gallery, but you're still going to have to get out there and meet people so that they know you like it's it's up to you to really get out there in whatever way you can and, and sell your art.
0: Uh, Jess wants to know if you didn't have each other in the beginning, would it have been easier to give up? I'm sure that at certain times, yeah, it would have been easier. And I think it comes down to you and how you talk to yourself.
1: Yeah. Because
0: I could look back and say Rafi wasn't giving up for any, any reason, anyone, anything. I think I was the one that was a flight risk. <laughs> 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 um. Uh, Yeah,
1: because I would say in the beginning, I had made a decision in my life at that point, once I left corporate, that I was going to do whatever it takes to never have to return again. Right. And and that's my journey. I'm not saying, like I said, if you get if you get a side hustle and whatever. But I had been so burned out on working for someone else because, you know, as a kid yeah i it, from the age of like nine, I was working in a jewelry store for my father, and then eventually I left the jewel. Ju- I had basically basically been working for someone else since I was nine years old. So like I got to the point where it was like, I have spent my entire life invested in someone else's dream and not in my own. So that's where like I basically burned that bridge and I said, There is no way." The only way that I could do this is if I am unstoppable and I am going to not stop. I am gonna persist, I'm gonna keep going, and I am not gonna allow myself to stop me like I did back in the day Mm -hmm. where I would be afraid.
0: And I got to that place, but I'd say I was a little shakier at first. Um, And so in those moments where everything looks really bleak and you wanna give up, First and foremost, what you're saying to yourself matters. It's helpful to have someone that's supportive. You know, it was helpful helpful for us to have each other, to support each other like that. Is it necessary? No. No. But it was good to have to have one person in your life who believes in you, at least. Ariane wants to know thoughts on splitting a booth with another artist. I've done it. It's not my favorite thing to do. I well <laughs> I'm, and I'm not talking about Rafi. <laughs> Rafi and I, uh, of I course, think, always shared a booth. But I've I actually, think it
1: depends. I think it depends yeah. on the artist. If it is, if you're splitting booth rent with another artist and you don't have a good working relationship,
0: yes, that's the most important thing. Yeah. Like you really have to resonate with that other artist's vibe. Like I loved sharing a booth with Rafi because we're we're like this weird fun entity um the two of us but i had shared booths with other artists um in other situations and it was fine um some
1: some of them i mean it's going to be and you got to rate it for yourself because like it's it's good to have someone else there. Obviously, um, that that's always good because that way, like, if you got to use the bathroom or somebody's going to go get lunch or something like that, you know, you don't have to worry about your booth being. Alone. That's helpful. Yeah. So like, and it's great. It's great because having two people would be fantastic. But you also got to keep in mind that the most important thing when you are doing a show or showing your art or anything like that is the vibe are you having fun yeah because that listen if you want to set yourself apart at an art show have fun and go there not because you're there to sell the art but because you are there to meet people that's it you are you it is an opportunity it's like you're having a party where all these people got invited and you are standing in front of a wall of your art just mingling and having a good time. And honestly, that is the most productive thing you could do at a show. Unfortunately, many artists go to shows to sell art. So what you get when you go to an art show is not a bunch of artists having fun. It's a bunch of artists either desperately trying to sell their art Or sitting off in the background with their arms crossed because they're upset because nobody has bought a piece and it's been two hours.
0: It's such a buzzkill. It it
1: really is a (laughs) buzzkill. It used to drive me crazy when artists would come and what they would ask is like, how's your day going? They didn't mean like, how's your day going? Are you having fun? What they meant was like, how's your day going? Did you sell anything? I'm having a crappy day. You know, and it's like, no, 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 no. You are missing the point. If you are doing a show, you're not doing a show because you're trying to sell art because that's not your job. You are doing a show because you want to get out there and talk about because it's basically you putting yourself out there. That's ultimately what matters. The side effect of putting yourself out there and really, really reigning in control or or having control over the perception of you. Is ultimately what matters right so like that was something that we learned at the flea market man there were so many so many of the vendors were just there it was something they've been doing for 20 years a lot of them were miserable and grouchy (laughs) and stuff and and i were like laughing and joking around and honestly we were like a beacon of light and we would get so many people just come and observe us and hang out a lot of times uh, over the weekend or even when we did shows we, whenever we did the the farmers market or the flea market or anything like that, what would end up happening is people would come and just eventually congregate around us and just talk and yeah, have a good time. It really
0: did turn into a party. So Deanne said, "My worst experience last year. Well, going again this year with a new plan. Yes, Deanne, I love it, Deanne.
1: Deanne, I know. Yes, your experience last year was, but you know." You also know how to turn that ship around. Yeah,
0: totally. Like
1: I said, ship instead of...
0: Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was that nice. Was good. Thank Zara you. <laughs> is like, I am all in. Yes. yes, you are, Zara. You are all in. And it's amazing. Extempor said, I just want steady, slow results when it comes to social media. If I had a few people a week, that would keep me going. It can be quiet for months, a surge, and then quiet again. That steady increase and regular comments makes it. In person, I don't expect those results so much because at least I can see the people walk by the booth knowing there is enough, even if they ignore me. Yeah,
1: yeah. And that's the thing, Extempore, you got to remember, like your art is going to appeal to people that are out there that are like you, that that art appeals to, Mm -hmm. right? There are 8 billion people on the planet. 8 billion. If that... Small, if a small fraction of that are people that are people that are going to like your art, we're talking about millions. Mm-hmm. So if they don't have access to it, it's only because they haven't found you. That's it. Right. Yeah. So like, and it's, it's little by little because people have lives they're doing stuff they're out. You know, it's when, when somebody says, Oh, I did, they don't say like, they'll say I discovered an artist. Right. And it's because you're doing the booths and you're you're going out there and you're sharing stuff on social media and you're doing stuff. And if you are like, Oh, it's been a week and only three people are following me, then you are not focused on the right things. And because know- it, it is little by little one person at a time, one relationship at a time, and ultimately that's that's really the powerful thing that we have.
0: And I know you know that, extemplar. Yeah, you've yeah, got you your head wrapped around it. And you've been doing this long enough to understand the fluctuations that you have to get through. And that, um in, in the beginning. And stages. that's the thing.
1: Like it's all fluctuations. Yeah. Like really when it when it comes to that, whether it was in the beginning or it is even now, you it's the emotional hurdles mm-hmm. that we go through when it comes to things being quiet. You know, the, ironically, the the humble brag, emotional hurdles of like, oh, I'm selling too much stuff. I'm going to have to raise my prices. Right. <laughs> like, I never thought in my life that I'd be saying that five years in.
0: Yeah. You
1: yeah. know, and like and it wasn't like I was it's I, guys. First off, it wasn't like, oh, I'm selling so much stuff at millions of dollars. Like I was selling stuff at like 40, 60 dollars because I and I might I really did need to raise my prices at that point. But what I realized is that it's all organic and you're going to deal with these things and you're going to deal with the struggles. And at first, the struggle was my art doesn't matter. Nobody cares about it. Like, you know, my first day setting up, I painted this abstract. I called it wine and wine glasses, right? Because I used wine bottles and wine glasses to paint these circles. And I had this cool drip texture going on with it. And my dad, the piece wasn't even dry yet. And my dad walked over and looked at it at the flea market, by the way, and said, What is this shit? Very
0: encouraging. And that was
1: my first experience. Now, the thing is, he wasn't saying it to be dis- you know, to not encourage me. He wasn't saying it for whatever. He was saying it because that's funny. Uh, I'm going to hear myself say that because he is not going to. You know, people are going to say things and that, but that hurdle was the biggest hurdle that I had to go through. And once I overcame that and it took me weeks to get there, then it was time for hurdle number two, the infinite onion.
0: The you, infinite you're onion. always there.
1: You're always going to be peeling away the layers. And that's the beauty of putting yourself out there. You know, we started at the flea market and then we started doing farmer's markets. And by the way, I, I, At that point, the farmer's market, how we got in was me facing another fear. Mm -hmm. What I did was I emailed them and I emailed them and then I called them and I was getting no response. And then I basically went to the offices and stood there and waited for the the manager, market manager to get back from a meeting so that I could hand her my application and tell her that I was very interested to be at the market. And... It, that for me, I have never, before that point, I had never asked for what I wanted. For
0: all I, intents and purposes, you pestered them to oh, let yeah. you in. Yeah, I did. Um, I, which can be really scary.
1: In a very loving way though. I yes. was it wasn't like I was annoying. I just called and I was like, okay, well, when is she going to be in? When is this? And then I felt like I was getting the runaround and I was like, I'm not stopping. I'm going to keep going. Like, I want to get into this market. I'm going to get into this market.
0: And interestingly enough, so we get into this farmer's market, and there's a different uh, there's a different group of people that populate, um, and it was like starting all over again, yeah. Because this new crowd of people didn't know us, so it was like we got to pretty steady at the flea market, and then we started at the farmer's market, and it was crickets.
1: It was like starting all over. In yeah. fact, Clee didn't go right away.
0: No, because I dipped a toe in instead of being all in. Arianne said it takes a lot to kill my vibe. I like having fun, even with my introvert tendencies. Yeah, Yes, absolutely. And I
1: love that, Ariane because I think with the, especially with the introvert tendencies, it makes us awkward and it makes us even more fun because I I feel like. you
0: embrace the awkwardness. Yeah,
1: because I feel like people let their guard down because at that point, they mm-hmm. realize that you're not trying to, you're not trying to come off as something else. You're just being your awkward self. Mm-hmm.
0: And it, you're, if you're awkward and you just embrace your awkward, then yeah, it really does create I, a I love that environment.
1: <laughs> uh, Deanne said pops is quite the character, but it is hard to handle parental comments. Yes. You proved him wrong and maybe you were stronger than his words yeah, that were and Yeah, of
0: course, Pops is really, really, really proud. He is. Of both of us. He, um,
1: he is very proud, but, you know, dad comes from, and this is the thing, this is the reason that I say, like, don't ever take anything personal that someone else says because it doesn't have anything to do with you. My dad, the reason that he is like that is because that's how he grew up. You know, my dad didn't want to be Uh, a jeweler he didn't want to work the family business um, but that's what he did his entire life now he's a great artist when it comes to jewelry but he didn't want to do that he wanted to be a mechanic what he loves is mechanical devices and things like that and that's where for him that's where his art is he loves that kind of stuff and my grandfather forced him to work the family business and told him that his dreams of being a mechanic were stupid, that he's going to get, be poor and blah, all the stuff that, that, you know, somebody, somebody like my grandfather was hard to deal with. My dad is a saint compared to what, what, you know, yeah what I went through is nothing compared to what my dad went through. So like, that's the thing though. Yeah. He's discouraging, but he never, he never attacked me and never put his foot down to that extent where it was like, I couldn't go out and be myself. So I do in realizing that and realizing every single comment that I've ever gotten in my life that was discouraging about my dreams and what I wanted to do, um, had nothing to do with me.
0: All of those people were, were projecting their own Limitation, and again yeah.
1: another hurdle another thing emotional thing that i figured out while putting my stuff out there it's when you're sitting there and you know somebody looks at your art that you're displaying and says oh my god that's beautiful hey dad come and look at you know like or they're, they're like hey come and look at this and they call their friend over and their friend looks at one of my paintings and says well that's just paint on wood right you know, luckily I was at the flea market, so one of the vendors behind me was like, Well, so's your house, dude. You know, so like it and it was it was those experiences of those things that I was so terrified of facing, those are the things that I had to face in order to progress to the next le to level up. Those level were the up. things. Yeah.
0: So uh at some point we're doing this farmer's market. We're starting all over from scratch. We're like, a—I um, I used to call it like a zoo exhibit, you know, people would walk by and look at you, but they wouldn't cross the threshold in the beginning. And, um, so we had to reestablish there. And basically what we did was at this point, we decided we were staying longer in Pensacola. We didn't know how long for, um, but through meeting other creatives, Uh, we started going to art events as patrons. um, And we said yes to every opportunity that presented itself. Yeah, Um, we tried everything at least once. And it got and we took it to an extreme, I would say about two,
1: about two years in about two years in, you know, we got started at the at the flea market. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and at this point, it's not we're not we're not making huge money, but we are we are making some income. The other thing too that you gotta remember is that our bills were extremely low. We had cut we lived in our car. So we had cut all expenses. Yeah,
0: we eliminated just you know, about all the expenses. We had we
1: had internet, we had phone, we had certain things, but we had eliminated all expenses. And honestly, that's what carried us through those first few years. That's that's one of the reasons I say like, unless you're prepared to really go at an extreme you know, you don't have to approach it that way. way. Um, You could have a part-time side hustle. And honestly, there were so many things that, that I would have done different, like, you know, with multiple streams of income and all that stuff, I would have started building that stuff up earlier. But, you know, what we were doing worked for us and the situation that we were in. Um, But yeah, at that point we were, I would say three years in, we were doing, let's say on an average month, we were doing several monthly art walks in different towns that were, uh, you know, to a minimum or a maximum of, of 100 miles away. Mm-hmm. Uh, there'd be like Friday art walks and there'd be these art walks. Our town had gallery night once a month uh, where we would set up, you know, and each one of these places cost maybe anywhere between fifty. 15 to $50 to set up. We did the farmer's market every weekend. Whenever there was a festival that was near our area, we would sign up for it. Sometimes we would do like Baytown Wharf, which was like a hotel complex and in, in close to Destin. Mm-hmm. And we would do a show there. So like every month we were doing on average, I want to say uh, three to f- Three shows, two to three shows every weekend, whether it was the farmer's market or a show. And
0: when we had time, because as you can imagine, like Monday through Thursday, we're producing art to take to these shows. So Monday,
1: Monday through Thursday, we're in the studio creating art. Friday, Saturday and Sunday we're out we're the out stuff. there showing our stuff.
0: In any spare time we had, we also you would see us at gallery openings and different art events just to meet people, just to be there and support it. So, we got a lot of man, I see you guys everywhere. Yeah. Like um, people became curious about what exactly we were up to because we were involved in every art-centric thing that was going on.
1: And, you know, everywhere we went because because we had traveled the the country, the truck was painted up so everybody would see this truck and, you know, that would that was like the purple cow, mm-hmm. right? And then everywhere we went, when we went to the grocery store, we talked to the cashier about art. Uh, whenever we ran into somebody, anytime that I walked into a business and I looked at their walls and was like, hey, do you guys ever... Th- would you ever consider having local artists put their artwork in here and make this place, you know, like, so it was, it was just constant. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, that's, that's kind of how we operate now. The only difference is I I'm not killing myself doing three or four shows a week, like, no. because it, it had, it did get to an extreme. I think that
0: it was very enjoyable in the beginning because it was all uncharted territory for us and And we
1: were and we were pushing through a lot of comfort zones putting ourselves out there like that it was very
0: exciting but at some point we realized okay we're ready to do something new that's not this
1: i would say a few years in and that's that's one of the that's you know i left the flea market Mm -hmm. after it got comfortable And and then eventually I left the market after it got comfortable Mm -hmm. because to me, no matter what, it's like, there is no end all be all. Like you get started where you are. And that is just a stepping stone to the next thing and the next Mm -hmm. thing and the next thing. And that's how, that's how our career evolved. Like we got started at the flea market, you know, There, there, there are plenty of artists out there that will say, that is the worst thing you could do. And I'm like, Yeah. Well, what if you don't have
0: any opportunities? It was a beautiful, chaotic proving ground for us. Now at the time, like, you know, you're talking five years in, six years in at this point, right? The leveling up for me looked a little different than it did for you. So your next leveling up was, I've really been neglecting the online world and I really want to start going for that. For me, it was, I really want to have work in some galleries. And right. for me, it was like at the point where I approached the galleries, I was in a commercial gallery and I was in a co-op gallery. They had seen my face so many times, talked to me so many times that it wasn't terribly difficult to establish that relationship. Right. I think I was actually playing it a little safe at that point. It was a lot uh, safer in my mind than um, dropping everything and trying to pursue the online.
1: Yeah. um, I mean, and for me, the thing about it was that I was thinking about it because I always think about it in long-term, right? So yeah, if you're enjoying doing a market and you're really enjoying it, then you enjoy doing the market or you enjoy being in a gallery, you enjoy it. But if you think about it and you're like, do I want to be here in 20 years? And you're, you're, you say no.
0: That'll put things in perspective. Then you really yeah. do
1: have to think of what the next thing. And I realized like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be out there hustling, you know, like going and doing all these shows. And I, I don't want to have to go to art walks, and I don't want to have to sweat my butt off in the summer forever. And, you know, I don't, and and I also don't want it to just be like, oh, I have my pieces in this gallery and in this gallery. What what do I want to do? And I started to really think about the things that I was neglecting. I was neglecting uh writing. I, I've always wanted to write a book. You guys know that. <laughs> you guys know the journey of the writing. I've always wanted to write a book. I I had been neglecting the YouTube for so long. And one of my dreams was to produce, I mean to to like make movies or entertain or or something like that. To put something out in the world that in was video in, in video format that yeah. was powerful, or or at least something to share something. And I realized that like I wasn't doing any of that. I was just basically working my butt off in the studio and then going out and doing shows and then rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Mm -hmm. So like, and it's one of the reasons that in the videos I will say like, yes, pursue this most definitely. Do not take no for an answer and keep going. But you also want to make sure that you don't turn it into a job.
0: Yes, that's hugely important.
1: Because if if you are – the one thing you could do is understand the best place to be is to be comfortable in your discomfort. Mm-hmm. Because that's what's going to cause you to keep trying things. to Keep leveling keep up. Keep leveling up. Keep, to keep pushing. moving. Because the moment I was comfortable at the flea market, it was time for me to leave. The moment that I got comfortable at the farmer's market, it was time for me to leave. Um, and, you know, and Clee was on a different path than I was at that point.
0: Yeah. Well, I think I'm just a little slower um, when it comes to the things. Allie said, hearing all of this and the comments are so inspiring and helpful. Creative stuff doesn't have clear cut rules. So that's why sharing stories are the best compass. Oh, I totally agree.
1: Thank you, Allie. Thank yeah, you, Allie. That, that and Allie. And that's what I wanted this to be. I didn't want it to be like, well, when you get started and you want to blah, 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 because everybody – I I get really inspired by the stories that artists would share with me on why they create their art and how come they put it out there and And why
0: their journey and
1: what how it was that they did it, because that fascinates me. That's 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 really where it's at. And it's not like, oh, I'm going to do what this guy did. It is. Oh, that's amazing. They figured it out as they went.
0: And one of the huge things that I believe is that you really can't get it wrong. Like you might try something and you might realize it's not for you. And I'll give you an example of this. Rafi decided that he really wanted to devote his the bulk of his time to working in the studio on his work and putting some time in on the video side of things, really giving the internet land his attention. I was like, I support you. You don't. If you don't want to do the show circuit or the market anymore, you focus on these things. And building up the website. Rafi really wanted to be giving that the attention that he had neglected. I thought that I could help best by still hitting the show circuit really hard, still doing the market every weekend. I was like, I'm going to do the market and the shows, and I'm going to... Um, try and help support us financially while you make this transition. And I thought like, this is the way to do it. And maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't, it worked for a while, but I got burned out.
1: You got, you and, got burned out. And eventually, um, eventually we had the conversation. And I was like, honey, there, there, you had somehow attached security to, the, the, to yes, the market to that hustle to that hustle but there was no actual security there
0: now here's the interesting thing so at that point I'm in the two gal I'm in two galleries I'm doing still doing the market I'm getting a little burned out on it we're doing the internet thing but my focus is divided because I'm like I'm doing this for us <laughs> anytime you hear yourself say i'm doing this for us always yeah. question <laughs> it it might be true <laughs> but it might be there might be more there so the pandemic forced me out of the show circuit. Out of the market. I had to quit doing it. So then, what we were doing in the studio and what we were doing online had my full undivided attention as well. And the funny thing is that, like, it really gained some momentum. It already had momentum, but it was like it took on this new level of momentum. Right. And I was like, oh, this thing that I've been scared to do, I've been like wringing my hands over it and agonizing. Like, should I make that? jump um was it right for me to do that hustle like i did was was, it right for me to was it the right time it was like all this hemming and hawing that i did and you know sometimes life just directs you it really it it
1: really does and the the thing was that like it was it was years earlier when i you know uh, the market manager i told the market manager listen i'm not going to be doing the market anymore because honestly I think I've outgrown it. Yeah. And she was like, oh, I absolutely, I don't want anybody to be here. If you, My whole thing is I want you guys to grow and move on. And that's that was so important to hear and so important to share with you guys because that's ultimately what it is. Wherever you are is where you are and the experiences that you have are going to lead you Somewhere, to, the next, to the next thing. And you're good. And in every experience, it is about being outside of your comfort zone and facing things. I was terrified to not be work, 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 work yeah. in the studio. Uh, if I'm not, if I'm not producing, I think, I think it's important to try and create art every day. But I was like, I got to create at least 20 pieces a week. Like it had gotten to the place where it was like just ridiculous, like crunching of the numbers and stuff like that. Full on production mode.
0: We really turned it into a job at one
1: point. And it took took burning out on art, which is the most ridiculous thing I could think of, right? Because I love creating my art. I love it, whatever. But what was motivating me behind it, without me even realizing it at one point, not not throughout the whole time, but at one point, what was motivating me was desperation to keep the security that I was feeling because of the way that I was doing things. So essentially, I turned my art career into a job that was stressful and that I had to always be on point because if I wasn't, things were going to fall apart. And this is the, this is the thing that we always have to keep an eye on. This is for all of us because we easily turn things into superstition right? Mm -hmm. Oh, so this is what I'm doing. This is what works. So I have to do this all the time, right? I have to do this. And if I don't do it, then things fall apart. Whenever you look at something and you think to yourself, if I don't do this, if everything hinges on this. If I don't do it, things fall apart. Those are the things that we have to second guess. So there's a lot of those myths when it comes to art and selling art or selling anything And really what it comes down to is you put yourself out there when it's challenging and fun. And then once it becomes normalized, then you move on to the next thing.
0: Don't allow yourself to stagnate. You'll know when you feel it. And yeah, you can get away with it for a little while, but you eventually do burn out. And if you still stubbornly hang on, it's been my life experience that life will nudge you in a different direction. And sometimes life will shove you in a different direction. If you're being stubborn about it,
1: Esther said she's going to have to leave. So thank you for being here. Esther. We're about to, we're about to sign off as well. Um, Kelly had a question. She was like, what if somebody,
0: what if your partner doesn't support you doing art full time? You know,
1: my, my response is um, just do it.
0: Do it anyway. Just do it Sarah anyway. said, "Kelly, do it anyway." Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. Whoever it is in your life, and of course, when it's your partner, when it's your person that you live with, that's harder than if it's even a parent. I would say. Yeah. Um. And so, but yeah, I think even still, you have to do it anyway because what does that look and feel like for you, Kelly, if you don't? you know, then, then resentment's going to set in. Yeah. Um, so, you- and that's,
1: and that's the thing, Kelly, you're a badass. So like, if you set your mind on doing something, you're going to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, when it comes to that, as somebody could say, well, I don't mourn you or whatever like that, but they're, they're going to have to, because you're not going to give them a choice, Yeah. you know? And, and that's, that's, that's basically where for me I was like I am not willing to take I I I will not take no for an answer. I am going for this and you either get on board or you fall behind. And and that's where that's where I am with this.
0: You do you and then your partner is going to have a choice to make as well. Yeah, yeah get on board or don't, you know, it could be that a couple of years from now, your partner says, I always knew you were going to be a success. I know. Like, every, you know? <laughs> like everybody
1: that told us, like, you guys are crazy. You're going to, you're going to fail miserably. You'll be back. And it, now they're like, Oh, we always knew. We always knew that you. Yeah.
0: Kelly great. said, thank you.
1: So, so at the end of the day, um, you know, if, if I was going to say, how do you get your art career off the ground to sum it up? It is however you can, where you are right now, taking that step Mm -hmm. and then taking the next step and taking the next step and really just challenging yourself. You know, if it's music, if you love creating music, take a chance and and, and take a chance on music. Mm -hmm. You love creating art, put the art out there. If you love writing, write a book, put it out there, put the stuff out there. It is so much there is so much power in the creativity of of the artist that are willing to put themselves out there um, and make sure that it doesn't uh, – weirdly untimely says, I have the hardest time not turning all my projects into a job. Make sure that you – I when I say job, I mean stress, where you turn it into where stress. Where it's not fun. Right? Because, yes, my artwork my artwork is very important to me. What I, what I create – is important to me. But we get so used to because of job, what it means to have a job that we think that in order to make money, you do have to get stressed out. You do have to, you do have to um, suffer a little bit. Uh, And and we're all kind of trained in that way where it's like, you know, you got to do the things that you don't want to do to make money. And that's just not true. It's not true. So like whenever you find yourself falling back into that habit where you want to turn your art into a job or whatever way you're putting yourself Mm -hmm. out there into a job, that's where you second guess it. And what's going to happen there is that in second guessing it and moving in a different direction, now you're breaking through another comfort zone.
0: Totally. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with you when that happens. I feel like that creeps up on all of us. Oh, it
1: does. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Sometimes you don't catch it right away either. And you realize like, oh, my, my, my energy is funky. Like what's going on with me? And you realize like, oh, I didn't, you know, and then that is a chance to, yeah. Break through a comfort zone, level up, put yourself out there. Pattern
1: interrupt. Yeah. Break that pattern if you break the pattern, then it doesn't turn into a habit, then you don't turn it into a job and all that stuff. And, and that's it. And I guess that's it for the podcast. Yeah. Um, thank you guys so much for being here. This was an amazing conversation. This
0: was a really great conversation. Uh,
1: I, I really hope you guys enjoyed us sharing like how we started and our feelings and all that stuff. Uh, I love sharing these kind of stories. I think that, when artists share this kind of stuff about when, where they started and how they started and especially what they were feeling and what they had to really break through. It's always so inspiring to me to hear those stories because that's really where the nitty gritty is. Mm -hmm. Because if I, if nobody could do what we did getting started, they have to do it their way. Just like we can't, if I tried to get started like someone else did it's not going to work because you have to approach it from your own point of view, your own way of putting yourself out there. And, and really it's your insecurities that you got to work through. So like it's your layers of the onion that every time you put yourself out there, you're working through, and it's going to be different to everybody else. You know, yeah. we have a lot of insecurities that are going to t- you know, that are similar, but we all walk in our own shoes. And it's the only way that you can really approach the world and approach the world with your art, especially. So yeah. And uh, okay. So now I always forget how to end the podcast. (laughs) Love the pod as always. Cool to hear your stories in more detail. Uh, Freaking love you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you for being here. All right. So what do I usually do?
0: Um, I think you usually say, uh, oh, shoot, I'm forgetting how you usually sign off. Thank you to our rogues for being here. Thank you to those of you who are listening to the recorded version. Kirkman's on it.
1: Yeah, and if you like this and you want to listen to more like this, click somewhere around here to subscribe. <laughs> and thank you so much, you guys, for being here. I absolutely adore you. And that's it. You want to say goodbye, Clee?
0: Good day.
1: Adios.